Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom. On this show, I interview amazing, badass women that are crushing it in the money and investing space. And I am super excited today to have with me Bernadette Joy, who's a nationally recognized money coach, has paid off $300,000 of debt. She paid that off in three years and has built over a million in real in investments. And she did that by 37 years old. She was named one of the top 25 new influential voices in money by Next Advisor in partnership with Time Magazine. Um, I met her a few months ago at this awesome conference called FinCon. She was the final speaker. She blew it out of the water and um, I had to have her come and be on the podcast. I'm so excited to have her. Welcome, Bernadette. Thank you so much for having me, Monique. Thanks for being here. Uh, so we were talking a little bit before we we hit um, we we started uh, recording, and you were talking about like some what are your what are your investments, and you, you recently sold some real estate. So just can you share a little bit about your experience with real estate investing and. Um, you know, how, how you got started and what you're, what you're up to now. Sure. So hello, everybody. Thanks for having me. I am Bernadette Joy and I am the founder at Crusher Money Goals. And I'm mostly known for my money coaching and my educational programs. But what a lot of people don't know about me is actually the main driver of my first million dollars of net worth was through real estate and specifically, uh, looking at how I can, and I feel like there's a lot of debate in the real estate world, like, is your primary residence uh, an investment or not? And I always took the approach of my primary residence. Uh, I will always treat it as an investment if I can make it that way. And so my uh, main experience in real estate has been buying and selling primary residences with the idea of turning them into rental properties. Uh, into Airbnbs and uh, seeing if I really wanted to be a landlord over, over the last couple of years. And I've learned some pros and cons as to uh, why I like uh, investing, real estate investing, but I also think it's a, it's a lifestyle choice. And most recently, I just sold my last real estate uh, property and uh, right now don't own any physical real estate property and then venturing into um, more real estate investment trusts and passive income from um, other companies who are specializing in real estate. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing. You can you can be invested in real estate passively. You don't necessarily have to be the one doing the dealing with the land, the tenants, toilets, termites. You know? Oh yeah, oh, you can yeah. be an investor without being you know being the landlord. So mm-hmm. um, that's awesome. Going back into your story, uh, how did you so like? How'd you get, how'd you pay off $300,000 of debt? Yeah. So that's a, a lot of that was on a time too. Yeah. So $72,000 of that was student loan debt. The rest of it was um, actually mortgage um, uh, debt from my first home. So my, uh, going back to answer your original question, how did I get started? So back in 2000. 13, I moved from New York City, where I thought I would never be able to afford anything. Growing up in Queens, New York, I was um, looking around the neighborhood I grew up in, where um, you know prices had shot to over like a million dollars. When my parents bought it, it was like $200,000. And I was like, I don't know if I can live in New York City. So I married a guy from South Carolina. I had no idea I was going to end up moving to Charlotte, <laughs> North Carolina. And my husband and I decided to buy our first home together 
a year into her marriage and it was a two bedroom, two bathroom, like nothing special condo. And the idea behind it was like, let's make this our first rental property, but we're going to live in it for the first year or so of, of our marriage. And at the same time, I decided to go back to school, get my MBA um, and accrued a lot of student loan debt on, on that journey. And so I started learning more about how to pay off debt and how to get really good with my own money. Um, you can't see me, but I'm, um, I'm first generation Filipino American. And I often felt overlooked by traditional personal finance about, uh, from financial advisors. I'd often ask, um, uh, if I could learn in different places and I would, I don't know. I always never felt like I, I, I fit into those spaces. So I started teaching myself about just money management in general. I started like getting a lot more interested in um, real estate and my husband ended up getting his real estate license um, as well. And then we realized like, what if we were to, you know, buy this home, pay it off really quickly and then use that equity to go buy the next home. Right. And so that was the idea. And that was the plan. I did not foresee the $72,000 of student loan debt. So um, in 2016, which is when I graduated from my MBA program, I found myself with um, the student loan debt, the mortgage from the first place. We had then uh, started running it out and moved into our second place, the mortgage from that place. And I um, remember it very clearly. I was sitting at my desk thinking, I don't know how people do this. Like, some people can be okay with seeing, you know, six figures of debt against their, you know, personal balance sheet, but I'm not one of those people. And so I was like, well, how can I pay this off as quickly as possible? So we started with paying off the student loans. I paid off the student loans in um, about a year, the $72,000 and can share some tips on that. And then we said, well, what would, what if we did something crazy? And we started paying off the mortgages and we got so much feedback from people saying like, well, why would you pay off the mortgages? It's it's, you know, it's a, it's a good loan. It's low interest. And at the heart of my decisions behind that was I wanted to just have less stress. And I wanted to know that if I decided to change careers, find something different, then at least I would have a stable roof over my head. So we started with paying off that first place, um, which when we bought it, it was $101,000, which sounds crazy now <laughs> in hindsight. And uh, we paid it off in about four or five years. And then we um, sold that place at a profit for about 150. And then we took the money of that, put it into the second home. Then we took another year to pay off that home. And then by, you know, 36, 37, I was, you know, debt-free, including my house. And I, it's, that's really started opening the possibilities of like, well, what else can we do in the investing world? Nice. I love that. Um, what did you do specifically to be able to pay it off so quickly? Um, well, to start off with, we we did a lot of things that like normal people would talk about in terms of paying down debt, right? Like, um, you know, trying to cut our spending, like kind of the obvious things, like trying to get some side hustles, all of those um, uh, normal quote unquote things. But we started, for me personally, especially as it relates to real estate, I started also looking and trying to understand like, do I really need a 30-year mortgage? And what does that do for me? And when I saw the, when I would study the amortization, <laughs> tables and say like, okay, I did not realize when I signed up for this at 20 something years old that I was paying this much in interest versus this much in um, principal. I, you know, like I calculated to myself, well, if I pay this off faster then I could technically save this much in interest. And so we started getting more creative with, you know, like the first home, we ended up having it on a 10 year mortgage instead of a 30. And the second home, we start, we renegotiated it from like a 30 year 
to a 15 year mortgage. And that accelerated some of, you know, the principal payment. Um, and then aside from, you know, things like that, we also made some just like lifestyle changes. My husband and I decided to adopt a little bit more. I wouldn't say we're all the way minimalist, but, uh, where we pretty, we pretty much stick to what we know and like and want to do. And, um, made some lifestyle changes. Like for example, we had two cars and then we went down to one car and that's like unheard of in Charlotte where we don't have great public transportation, like things that seem really um, inconvenient for a lot of people. We said, let's try it. And if it doesn't work, we can always go back to the way that we were living. And what now, six years later, we're still living pretty similarly to when we first started paying off debt and our life has been infinitely less stressful. Mm, I love that. Um, yeah, I think it's just, this, it's like those little, little decisions that add up over time to make that shift. Um, so what are you currently working on that most excites you? Sure. So, uh, right now I am looking at, uh, rejiggering my personal finance platform. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm a founder and I'm an educator. I, uh, run a company called Crush Your Money Goals and it's primarily uh, dedicated to serve women who are not just interested in becoming financially literate, but who truly want to become financially independent. And, you know, I think that financial literacy is a great place to start, but a lot of other financial education and services kind of stop at financial literacy versus saying, you know what? We women, we can do hard things. Like we can do more than just pay down debt. We can get into complex investing. We can become real estate you know, moguls, we can become millionaires, you know, earlier on than people expected. And so I get really excited about working with women who are high potential, who are um, not afraid to say, I want to earn a lot of money. And uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, like, I'm good at math, like, I want to be able to be uh, the manager of my money. I don't want to hand it over to a financial advisor. I don't want to hand it over to my husband. I want to be able to manage myself. And so up until this past year, I've done a lot of kind of one-on-one coaching and classes and speaking engagements, but going into 2023, I'm really excited about um, building out programs that are dedicated to uh, educate the next generation of accredited investors, primarily women and women of color. And it's been very eye-opening to me in the last couple of years as I have grown from having $300,000 of debt to having my first million dollars of net worth and not having been exposed to a lot of these things along the way and how many women I meet who say, no one's ever told me this stuff before. Like I didn't know what an accredited investor was. I didn't know that I could invest in things other than the stock market. I want to be able to teach women who um, want to learn a lot of these, for me, nerdy and sometimes complex things, but who actually want to build independent wealth. Hmm. I'm speaking my language. My, <laughs> my mission is to help 1 million women create financial freedom and through real estate investing. So I love that. Um, I, yeah, I love, I love what you're about. So I'm so excited you're here. Uh, what, what would you say has been your biggest mistake and what did you learn from it? Oh, I can only pick one. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so, so many mistakes. Um, <laughs> I would say, I don't know if it was my biggest, but it's the one that's coming up in my mind the most as it relates to this idea of becoming a savvy investor is mm, I invested in things in the past just because I heard someone else doing it, or even if that person was reputable or I thought they were good at it, 
but I didn't really know their personal financial situation or what their risk tolerance was or anything like that. And so I assumed like, oh, well, if this person did it and they're smart, then I should do it too. And um, this came up as a big mistake really for me in the past, even the last year, as my husband and I were tra- uh, transitioning some of our real estate investing into equities. And, you know, I played into a lot of the things of like what I hear, you know, even some of the people at FinCon, right? Like that you and I met saying, oh, you should be doing, you know, put it to the S&P 500 and like, blah, blah, and then like let it sit for 20 years. And it's like, well, that's great for a certain subset of people. But I realized for me, I was just like, one that doesn't resonate with me from the um, perspective. I used to work for some of those banks. Like I used to work at two of the biggest banks in the world. And I don't really want to put my money back there. I didn't enjoy working at those places. And I, you know, they're not aligned to me in terms of value propositions. And then um, I'm wearing a sweatshirt right now that says, uh, you know, screw the patriarchy. And so part of the, part of the, you know, the disconnect I had with traditional investing was that, okay, we want to support women. We want to support local business. There's a lot of things I'm interested in, but putting it into the stock market isn't like, doesn't just sit with me. Well, I mean, there's some portion of it that I'm going to do, but there has to be other ways to also invest money. And so if I could go back in hindsight and say, you know what, Bernadette, take your time, like, store the money. Like, don't worry about people saying, oh, it's losing value right now in terms of inflation or whatever it is. I would rather you store the money right now and take some time to research and look for things that you're actually genuinely interested in investing in. And then, you know, start putting that money incrementally. Um, and I would also say that I, I've i um, kind of fallen prey at times to, you know, I, um, how do I say this? I fall in prey to the FOMO, I guess, of, oh, you know, like there was a while where, you know, saying that you want to be debt free or paying off debt, whatever, like wasn't popular, right? Like people were like backlashing and saying like, no, you know, you shouldn't tell people that they're free, debt free because there's good debt and there's bad debt and we'll also shut. But like inherently that is what I believe. And that is what helped me build my first million dollars of net worth by focusing on living a debt free type of life. And I wish I could go back in time and say, Bernadette, you know what? You don't have to sound like everybody else. You can, you can have your own way about this too. Yeah, I love that. And so the the biggest mistake then is yeah, trying to be a copycat, looking at trying to do what other people are doing without really putting into consideration what your needs are. Mm-hmm. Like I I always say that in real estate investing, and I guess investing in general. Um, but real estate investing in particular is not one size fits all. So because something works for you um, doesn't mean it'll work for me and vice versa. And I would say like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should, Mm -hmm. right? Like I will say I had a particular, you know, part of the reason I I got out of um, real estate investing temporarily right now. So last year, my husband and I, um, we took our second second rental property and we started doing short-term rentals like Airbnb and stuff to see if that's something that we like doing. And, you know, then it's like, oh, Airbnb, Airbnbs are so hot because everyone's staying home and, you know, like at COVID and, you know, people can't go like on these vacations or whatever. So we were trying to capitalize on that opportunity. Um, and then my father passed away um, really unexpectedly. And I remember getting a call, like literally the day of his funeral and there was um a person you know someone who was staying at her place and saying she said something along the lines of like I don't know where to put my shampoo in the in the in the shower right now and I was just like oh my god this is literally the last thing I want to deal with 
right now. And I remember thinking like, you know what, um, real estate is a great, it was great for me when I didn't have, you know, um, a lot of other obligations. Like I could focus on that. I was there locally. Um, I also wasn't dealing with like health issues with my, my mom after my dad passed away. And so, you know, even though I could have continued to do it, I chose, you know, I said, you know what, like at this point in my life right now, I want to have my investments be in something that is not going to require me, like you said, the tenants and the termites and the toilets. Um, And then, you know, I can go back and revisit it. So that's one of the hard things I hear a lot of people have trouble with making any sort of investment decisions. Like they feel like it's permanent, like you have to do it because you started it. But like, there's also times where you can say, you know, this is not for me right now. And that's okay too. Yeah. We have seasons too. So there are different, you know different things in one season, a super active strategy like Airbnb might work. And in another season, you need to be a passive investor. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Let me ask you, what are you most proud of? Uh, I will say the thing that's coming up to me today, just because I just saw a picture of her is um, I uh, have been, I've chosen to be child-free by choice. Um, I had a lot of pressure um, growing up as an adult, when I got married, I'm sure a lot of other women can relate to just like, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? And then after my husband were married for 10 years, like people are still asking, when are you having kids? And I finally got the courage, uh, last year, um, to tell people like, that's not in my plan and I'm happy with that choice and you can stop asking me. Um, and that was a really hard thing for me to do because I, you know, I had to think like, you know, so much of the messaging for us as women is like, you know, your, your main job here is to take care of other people and to have kids and to all do all these other things for everybody else. And I started choosing to do things that were just for me. Um, and why I'm particularly proud of that is, uh, I'm not a mom, but my sister-in-law, she had a baby last year and she asked me to be the godmother saying, you know, I want my daughter to have a role model like you to show that there are other ways of like living life as a woman. You don't have to follow like the normal quote unquote path that other people chose. And that made me really happy. Um, like it, it, it reminded me that you can have legacy in so many other ways than just like the traditional ways that people think about. I love that. I love that. Um, and that, you know, it's ironic that that needs to be that to be able to say that I'm as a woman, I'm choosing not to have children. It's so, it's so brave. Like you need courage to be able to do that mm-hmm. um, when it should just be, this is my choice. <laughs> it's like um, men don't have, I don't think men are given that pressure. That oh is- yeah. Yeah. I definitely, um, <laughs> uh, there's a there's a moment I remember I was at my in-laws um, place and we were there for Christmas Eve one year and I, it was the first time I was going to um, meet a lot of my husband's family like extended family and stuff and like Filipinos are not shy about asking like so what are you having kids like what are you having kids when are you having kids and I remember like sitting there fielding all these questions from people and then my husband was just like playing poker <laughs> sometimes and I was like. Y'all do real, first of all, like, I, like, why don't you ask him? He's the one who's actually part of this, you know, family or whatever. And second of all, like, it takes two to tango. Like, why am I the only one who's feeling all the questions? And ever since then, I remember thinking, like, you know, I really 
Uh, I respect women's choices to have, you know, either, either way, whatever it is that they want to do. Um, but it's been really interesting. I hadn't expected it when I became a money coach and when I've been doing a lot of this other like speaking engagements and stuff, how many women have come up to me, even at FinCon that said, you know what, thank you for saying that you're child-free by choice. Like that's not something that I hear very often. And so um, I, I know, I wish you didn't have to say that in the year 2022, but it never hurts to remind people. I know it's crazy. And I, I have three kids, but one biological. Um, But after I had her, you know, and even after I had a baby, when are you having another baby? (laughs) Right. I was like, I have, Three, they're, you know, it's like two step kids, and they're like, yeah, but your child needs a sibling. It's like she has two siblings. It was, it was so weird, but I kept getting that. So, oh. uh, you know, <laughs> to, to be a to be a woman. So, um, what I'm going to ask you some questions about advice. What's the best life advice you've ever received? It was actually this past week. Uh, I. It sounds so obvious, and I even I say it to people sometimes, but. Uh, you know, it's just a reminder to say, to tell people, no, you know, if it's not something that it's a absolute 100%, like, heck yeah, then it's okay to say no. And I was given that advice. I went to go do um, a TV segment here locally in Charlotte and the host of the TV segment, I highly respect him. Um, his name is Eugene Robinson. He was like an NFL player for NFL player for many years. And now he does TV stuff. And, um, he was the one who had told me, he's like, when I call you and ask you to do TV segment, you can say no, like, it's okay. Like you can tell me no. And it was easy to say no to things when, um, it was like clearly something I didn't want to do. Like those became obvious. And over time, especially as it become, became more financially independent, like if something was going to waste my time, obviously I wouldn't do it. But then I had to start making harder choices of, you know, is it okay to say no to things that used to serve me well before? And they're not really hurting me right now, but like it's preventing me from doing other stuff. And is it okay for me to say no to things that a lot of people would like say yes to? Right. Like it, it's, it felt very odd when a couple of years ago, I'm like, I would have been like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe I get to be on TV. And that now I'm like, oh, I don't want to do a TV segment today. Like it, it sounds so like, you know, full of myself, but you know, that's where I think, especially for women who are going towards financial independence, it gets harder and harder to say no, because they're not so obvious anymore. And they're things that you used to, used to really want. Um, so, uh, that was a good reminder for me that even if it's something that I used to want before, but it doesn't fit in now, like you can let it go. I love that. That's, uh, that's definitely something I've been playing with. I actually, I, I, challenge myself to say no, at least once a day to something. That's great. <laughs> That's my latest thing because I'm saying yes to too much. So every day, like, what did I say no to today? Mm-hmm. Um, um, all right. And what's the worst advice you could give someone? That I could give to someone? Yeah. What's the worst <laughs> advice? <laughs> Uh, the worst advice that I could give to someone is to... No, you know, let, let debt be a lifestyle. I think that's, that's, um, something that I, I shied away from again. Like I said before, I, there was a a couple of months in the last year specifically where it just like, wasn't in style to say that. And there was a lot of like, if you have debt, that's okay. And like, I'm like, if you're happy with that, then more power to you. Right. But, um, 
too often I see a lot of people who say like, oh, the only way I can do this is by getting a mortgage, is by, um, you know, getting it on a credit card or taking out a business loan. And I just challenge people to think about like, rather than making debt a first priority, um, can it be a last resort, right? So the bad advice would be like, oh, go for debt first. (laughs) And hopefully the good advice is like, yeah, debt is good if you don't have any other options. And um, what's the best advice you have for a woman getting started in investing? Oh my gosh. Uh, If I can say two things, I would say the first thing is uh, don't do what I did, which is just take advice blindly and apply it without... um, without uh, regard for your own context. And the more specific advice I would say is there is um, a a lot of great things. If you look up online, just like risk tolerance quizzes, I would tell any woman before you start any sort of investing is to take a quiz or take a test or talk to someone about understanding what your personal risk tolerance is before you go do any sort of investing, because that's a piece that I think a lot of people overlook is like, oh, this sounds like a good investment strategy, but maybe you don't have the same risk risk tolerance as somebody else. And that's something that um, I implemented with a lot of my coaching clients. And they, even if those who've had financial advisors has, have said that no one's even ever addressed that with them. So go uh, have, an, ha, uh, have an objective assessment of where you stand in terms of what risk you can tolerate before you go into investing. Yeah. And invest accordingly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, before we get into our famed end of show trinity, which is a brag, a gratitude, and a desire, mm. let me ask where can people connect with you, find out more about you and what you do? Sure. Uh, you can find me at crushyourmoneygoals.com. That is where you can see um, what I'm doing in my business and also um, for you know speaking engagements and classes. And then if you just want to connect with me for some daily um, inspiration around money, you can find me primarily on Instagram at Bernadette Joy. And then coming up in the new year, we're going to be um, reviving our YouTube channel. So you can look me up at Bernadette Joy on YouTube. Awesome. Okay. So now it's time for the Trinity. Uh, what is one thing you're celebrating right now? What's your brag? Uh, my brag is um, right now is I will say next year is the first year that I'm going in with a really solid money plan that um, I don't think I'm going to have to change very much unless something crazy <laughs> happens. And why it's a brag for me as someone who gets very nerdy about money, like I can spend a lot of time like analyzing all the different routes I can take. And I decided next year that my focus is going to be primarily on health. And so that meant that I'm going to put a lot more of my money plan on autopilot. And I am looking right now, I'm looking at my uh, giant (laughs) uh, board behind me and it's about 60% done. So by the new year, I'm basically going to have a plan that's on autopilot and then I can just focus more on health. And I'm, that's the first year in my 37 years of life that I feel like I can say that. (laughs) Well bragged. Good. Uh, And what's one thing you're grateful for? I'm really grateful for the women who have trusted me. Up until this point with their money journeys, I started Crushing Money Goals in 2020. And this is fresh in my mind because just this past week, I um, gathered my clients locally here where I am in Charlotte to just have a night of gratitude where 
I just wanted to get them together to tell them how much I was thankful for them and also for them to share their um, success stories with each other because a lot of them haven't met each other. And I came out of like, I was literally crying <laughs> that, that night because they just inspired me, reminded me how brave women can be and how we can really do hard things if we decide that that's what we want to do. And so I'm just really grateful that um, this community has let me be part of their journeys. I think that's forever changed me as a human. Beautiful. And last but not least, what's one desire? One desire is I just came back from Korea um, not too long ago. It was my first trip to uh, Korea. And it was my first international trip since COVID. And I'm a big K-pop fan. I'm a big Korean drama fan. And my one big desire is I will go back to Korea next year and I will actually meet one of my celebrity crushes. All right. Well, so shall your desire be or so much better than you can imagine. We'll manifest it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bernadette. Like your name, this was a joy um, to be able to, to connect with you. So y'all, you can connect with her. Um, go to crushyourmoneygoals.com or at Bernadette Joy on Insta or find her YouTube channel, Bernadette Joy. And um, and you can connect with me at reigoddesses.com. There you can find out about our passive investing opportunities, our investor club, our, our courses, our events, um, and our and our social. Also, don't forget to subscribe and like so you don't miss another amazing Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast interview. Bye-bye.